Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears. This is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau file reports, get together to hang out, do things, make stuff, talk more. It never ends. Maybe one day we'll escape from the subterranean hell that is this basement beneath City Hall. But until then, this city is not going to improve itself. This meeting is now in session. Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, great. I'm um, filing reports, hanging out, making things, doing stuff. Brilliant. Uh, that's, uh, that sounds very productive of you. Yeah, it's like uh, the band Do Make Say Think, but instead of a band, they were um, uh, a city department. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm doing none of those things. Oh, nice. That's all right. Yeah. I'm, we, can, uh, we can live with that. Sitting on my butt, uh, waiting until break, and <laughs> uh, hoping that uh, the time lock's open soon so that we can uh, you know, get to the, uh, the snack machine. Yeah, and maybe even get outside and like, I hear there's crowds of people out these days just enjoying the air, getting together in small enclosed spaces in restaurants and bars, just having the time of their lives. Spitting on one another, coughing <laughs> yep. on one another, rubbing their yep. butts against one another's butts. Yep, that's uh, that's a thing that people do. A very normal thing for people to do in, uh, in the Queen City is uh, fine establishments. There needs to be uh, more public shaming of people who are um, uh, not good at uh, the new grocery store normal. No. Uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, recently, I, I, uh, I briefly left uh, this basement and uh, went to pick up some mail from the post office at Shoppers Drug Mart uh, and uh, ran into people who um, not only were not wearing masks, but seemed seem to be behaving as if we were not still in the midst of a pandemic uh, and the lifting of restrictions uh, to a lot of people that I've talked to feel like it's kind of carte blanche to just go back to what they were doing beforehand. Um, I've noticed that as well. Um, I, I, I've said this before in other QCIB meetings. I thoroughly enjoy uh, having arrows telling me where to go in a grocery store because I really, I, I don't see why, I should have to think that hard at the grocery store to begin with. So I agree. Give, give me arrows. Ar um, arrows are good because you don't run into people all the time at the grocery store, which is legitimately an annoying thing on a crowded day. No kidding. And people are just ignoring those arrows now. They just don't care. And what are you going to do? Are you going to be the guy that goes, Hey, arrows. And you know, I like to stand on top of an arrow and I like to tap my foot on it really loudly. And just stare at them. Hmm? Hmm? And, you know, the, the other problem is uh, I'm, I'm annoyed by the lack of uptake on the masks because um, this has ruined my, like, decades-long uh, heist plan. I've been trying to, like, you know, I, I've got this, like, whole heist planned out, and it starts with releasing a pandemic uh, around the world so that it will normalize mask wearing so that there will be nothing strange about me walking around with my, you know, my burglar mask so that I can thwart face, facial recognition software. And if people are just going to walk around without their masks, then 
I don't know what to do. Yeah, then what's the point? Right. Yeah, right. They're, they're, they're thwarting your criminal plans. Exactly. So, I, yeah. <laughs> Damn oh. them. Yeah. I guess <laughs> yeah, I'll have to come up with a backup plan. I had no plan B, you see. No, uh, I think plan B is you just like get a truck and you just drive it into like through a bank window. Yeah, yeah. Better than plan C, which was get a job. Oh, right. Yeah, we, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So who, who, who does that? <laughs> Foolish people. Oh, speaking of job, we technically have one. Right. And it involves uh, we, us having this meeting. Right, and we actually, we're not doing the basics right now of our job, uh, which starts with taking attendance. Kind of like how Regina is not doing the basics of like avoiding COVID-19. Exactly. Yeah. So let's, uh, so let's do our part by taking attendance. Okay. That tracks. Okay. Uh, let's let me get out my um, let me get out my clipboard. Uh, okay, first attendee, uh, Danch Pooley. Nobody is claiming that name. Danch Pooley? No. Well, no. you know the uh, it's funny though that we bring it up Danch Pooley because the uh, story of Danch Pooley starts on the range. But, uh, that, that is to say the stovetop range, because uh, he uh -huh. was the first person to look at a calzone and say, I'm going to steal that and give it a name so dumb that even the dumbest sort of person in the world, that is like a 13-year-old boy from the suburbs, can remember it. So he and called that, that And that's how Hot Pockets were born. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I, I don't know what you think it was going to be called, but... Uh, Hot Pockets is the answer. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a great uncle who, um, Dan Pooley, uh, completely put out of business because he was like a <laughs> – he, he had started uh, pizza clams. And <laughs> he, was, he was sure he was going to make his fortune in pizza clams, but apparently nobody wanted to buy a pizza clam, but along come Hot Pockets, which were the same thing. And right. People were willing he to eat those. Uh, Danch Pooley really ruined a lot of lives, but uh, he actually, he got his comeuppance, uh, you know, pizza clams, hot pockets, uh, when it was uh, the, when he was sued by a man calling himself Hottest Pocketus, claiming, oh. claiming that he had stolen, that Pooley had stolen his name and his likeness to, uh, for, for his product. Uh, Turns out that Hottest Pocketus was actually a retired marketer named Chad Barlow who was doing it on a whim. Um, th things got further complicated when uh, some years later, the lead singer of the Scorpions put out his own version of Hot Pockets, which he called Heisenzaka, which were probably the most popular snack food in the EU for uh, a few years in the early 90s. Huh. But then he got, uh, then uh, singer of the Scorpions got arrested for, um, I'm not sure if I've written down ESP or espionage. Either way, it's a damn crime. So, yeah. anyway, in all the confusion, Nestle swooped in, bought it up, and now they, they, they market Hot Pockets. Cool. And Nanch Pooley, his name was lost to time. Oh. Well, it would be great to talk to him. Oh, hey, do you know what German for pizza climb is? I'm curious. Pizza Muschel. <laughs> pizza Muschel. I like that. Muschel is kind of a cute name. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I could, I could, I, I, it makes you want a pet clam. Call yeah. it my, my kleine Muschel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway. Um, well, I guess he's not here. No, like a, like when I said he was lost to time, I mean it literally. His, he invented a time machine that malfunctioned and scattered him all throughout eternity. Oh, darn. Yeah. And I guess he's so not making his way back here. Probably not. Um, he, he said, I will go anywhere in time except 2020, please. <laughs> That's right. Yes, give me the 1300s, but not 2020, whatever yeah. you do. Oh, hold on. I think... I may have mixed up the letters in the name. Um, just a second. It should be Paul Deschen. That's me. Oh, all right. Cool. All right. So you're here. Present. Uh, second attendee is Radio NNAAMG or Radio NAMG. Radio NAMG? NAMG. Yes. No. No. Nobody's here by that name as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's a person. Um, my notes are pretty sparse, but I think they're a rival radio station trying to sneak in some airtime on our meetings. Ooh. I, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I, I applaud the hustle, but I won't stand for it. No, sir. I tell you, Radio, radio Nam, I'm... You get you get back to your own station. We've got we've got our own thing here. We do. We are we are the hot pockets of of uh, community radio. Nobody has called us the hot pockets of community radio. The pizza mushel of community <laughs> radio, maybe. Maybe maybe that's quite possible. We maybe we maybe does pizza mushel. Just the pizza mushel manner. Uh, oh you know what I don't think there's I'm starting to think there isn't such a thing as Radio NAMG um, because uh, it looks like I may have mixed up a few letters in uh, when I wrote them down here so oh okay Uh, I think Aiden Morgan is is what it should be that is you that Okay, that's me. So I will mark myself down as here. Uh, do we have quorum? We do not. All right, nothing is binding, but we're here, so we may as well do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's so much has been going on in in the world. It's yes. Things, things, many things, things. have happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, sales of pizza clams have skyrocketed. Yeah, and after this meeting... Even higher. Even higher. Probably t- tens more will be sold. Yeah. No. Uh, well, there, there's been a lot of, now that uh, things are starting to get back to, uh, you know, normal, back to business at City Hall, uh, things are starting to happen there, which is exciting. A lot of committee meetings, catching up on business. Um, but, you know, I'm, the thing that you cannot avoid is uh, all of the Black Lives Matters protests. Uh, that nope. in the United States and here in Canada as well. There's there's even like a a, a protest parade in uh, in the sub basement. There was. It was you and yes. me and the Jaguar, but you know we're representing. Exactly. We've had several marches so far in Regina here. I don't know. I've actually I snuck out to go to one of them actually, 
on a, uh, a Tuesday. Happy to report that there was more social distancing and mask wearing at a Black Lives Matter protest than there is at the Safeway. That A is not surprising, and but B, that, that's good to hear. It was like huge, the attendance. It was uh, easily over a thousand people, uh, I think without question. Um, now, it, it would, counting was a little bit hard because people were much more spread out. So sort of uh, being able to compare it to other protests was difficult. Right. People weren't, you know, as packed together as normal. Hugely diverse crowd at this. Um, much more diverse than at any other gathering that you've seen at, um, say, the legislature protesting whatever and what have you. Uh, or it is at the Safeway, for that matter. Or at a like a, at a yellow vest rally. Oh my God! No kidding, hey. <laughs> the, I went to a couple of years ago. I guess it is now. I went to the um, the stop the carbon tax rally, where all the trucks came from all over southern Saskatchewan and converged on Regina. And I went to that, and there were two people who were people of color at this entire thing, and uh, they claimed to have like a thousand people at that. Although uh, this Black Lives Matter protest had way more than any yellow vest protest in the city has ever had. Hmm. Uh, and again, much, much, much more diverse and a lot of young people. Now I think it, it took place on a Tuesday. There's no school right now because of uh, COVID. So that probably contributed to the numbers that were turning out. Right. Um, also well, like the passion was on display. So. Hey, I've, uh, I, I've, I heard that their, their, their main protest chant was, Hey, Hey, ho, ho. The Regina Police Services Cultural Unit has got to be the first thing to go when we defund the police. Is, is, that, is that? Do I have that right? Uh, that's. No, no, oh, okay. Okay. No, no, <laughs> no. But that is that tweet, the infamous tweet from. Uh, I, I am. I am referring to the infamous tweet. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that was who? The, the Regina Police Association. That's right. Which is, I think, the union. Like that's their account, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's their labor union. So how did the tweet exactly go? It went, do you support the defunding, in quotation marks, of police in Regina? Uh, if you do, this amazing work by our members will be the be one of the first to go. Choose wisely. And that tweet linked to a Leader Post story that what? profiled uh, the police services cultural and community diversity unit and uh, talking about the, work, the great work that that unit does. Uh, that kind of exploded in the police association and the police uh, services space. I, I, have, I saw that tweet picked up by people who have, by, by, by accounts and by people who have nothing to do with this city or even like from the States. I mean, as an, as an example of like, how not to respond to these sorts of things, basically. No. Yeah. yeah. Now, it, the other telling detail about that tweet is that it went out at midnight, which who is, like, you're in charge of a public-facing, you know, community organization. Uh, what are you doing tweeting nonsense at midnight on your official yeah. account? That, that, is, that is a good question. I think, uh, and I mean, I know that it was sort of taken by a lot of people as kind of a, a veiled threat. Now, I'm pretty sure that the Regina Police Association does not have any say over what parts of the police service stay or go, because um, they're the union. They're not the police themselves. Uh, 
but it seemed like it, it felt a lot like as many people responded to the tweet, nice cultural unit you got there, shame of something happened to it. Uh, and, I, and I think, but I mean, basically I, what I took from it was them attempting to do some good old fashioned fear mongering saying you, you multicultural people, you know, don't like the police. Well, here we do good work and that's the first thing that'll be lost. So it'll be your fault. I think this is what they were kind of winking and nodding at. Uh, that, that's the most charitable interpretation I have of that tweet. Yeah, you know, I, like I agree. And I think that there was earlier in the week, Chief Evan Bray had done a press conference addressing uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, call to defund the police. Uh, there is a petition of about 2,300 names at the time of that uh, press conference uh, calling for the defunding of uh, Regina Police. And he was talking about what a challenge it would be because they're facing a uh, methamphetamine epidemic in Regina at the moment, and they have uh, serious problems presently with domestic abuse calls that they're getting, and saying that if we, if that we currently have so much work that if our budget was cut back, uh, we would have to triage, and uh, a lot of our um, community outreach, uh, uh, community policing would be the first that we would have to like to let go. Uh, very well phrased, uh, uh, starting a debate and a discussion about what does policing look like and what does policing do. Right. It's and and much, right. Yeah, no, that, that, I mean, the tweet is sent, some, saying something kind of similar, but in a much more sort of like n ominous and threatening fashion. Yeah. And you know, if the tweet had said, if you believe in defunding the police, please note that the first thing management is going to do is cut all of our good community programs. Right. Again, that would be a much more constructive way for a labor union to approach this question. But <laughs> the thing that I found the most offensive about the tweet wasn't, wasn't the fact that it was like calling for a rethink or a opening a discussion of how uh, policing should be done. It was that choose wisely at the end. Yes. It was so patronizing, so condescending. And, and seemingly very different from like the standard sort of like positions of most labor unions, which champion the workers versus management. But it, in that tweet, it portrayed kind of a lack of any sort of interest in that division, mm -hmm. suggesting to me that as a labor union, I'm not sure what the RPA is, is really up to. Yeah. Well, they didn't help their case when they uh, they put out a follow-up tweet. Who oh, did they? Yeah, they did. They tried to walk it back. They actually did a thread, um, and it's uh, it didn't help. It came 15, 16 hours after the original tweet. Um, oh man, they are there were response time in keeping with a lot of uh, police response times. Anyway, zing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, and some of the media made it sound like they were actually like quick on the draw with their communications, and yet, no, it was like that tweet sat there what? without any comment for like 15, 16 hours before yeah, that that's not quick. And the follow-up tweet went, the uh, Regina Police Association board apologizes for how a previous tweet regarding the defunding of police was interpreted, <laughs> not to be harmful. <laughs> I guess we should all be grateful that they apologized for us on our behalf. That's, that's right. And, and, and now that I hear it put that way, I am so sorry. 
that I interpret it in the spirit in which it was obviously intended. <laughs> so, so, so sorry. Yeah, it was, uh, it was the worst. The non-apology apology is something that's uh, been spoofed in uh, late night comedy and has been talked about in the media, how you could have control of an important social media account and not know that this is not the tweet that you write when you're facing a communications uh, crisis. They need to, I would say they need to discipline or fire their social media uh, manager. Uh, but it sounds to me more like they need to actually hire a social media manager in the first place, frankly. Yeah. My understanding is that the social media manager is a, uh, an elected position within the association. <laughs> oh, that's, that, that, that does not surprise me. <laughs> it doesn't? No. It's, democracy just doesn't work in some cases. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. It was also disappointing because I, like, I, I keep trying to hope that, you know, maybe things are good here. Maybe, you know, it's, it's crap everywhere in the world right now. I'm sure everybody is sane and rational here. And then you have mm-hmm. like a little micro uh, controversy like this explode and it just reminds you that uh, it's kind of just crap everywhere right now. Yeah. And, it, and related to, to what Bray said in, uh, in response to calls for defunding the police, the thing that sticks with me a bit is that we, we've interviewed uh, Chief Bray mm-hmm. on, uh, on, on this, in these very meetings we have interviewed him. And he has said that the bulk of work that is done by police or the bulk of things that we think of as police work actually could be, or is not really properly governed by police. I mean, and, and I know he believes that. Mm-hmm. So for him to suddenly say, Oh no, well, we'd have to cut all this other stuff. It just seems a little odd to me when he already has acknowledged that he is aware that over policing or that police taking on roles that don't require a weapon, for example, or the use of force, but instead social services uh, and restorative, you know, and restorative moves instead of punitive moves are what is required. Yeah. So I'm like, Chief Bray, I, I get it, but come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is disappointing, and I, because this is exactly the discussion that. The, the larger defund movement is trying to have is about mm-hmm. uh, we need it's not so much a defund as a shift the funding the city's public accounts we only have a couple of minutes but the city's public accounts came out last week and uh, in the public accounts they list how much everybody's getting paid in the city that includes the police because the police is a city department basically it's it's right. a subunit of the city of Regina so it gets paid out of our uh, property taxes one of the most striking things that you discover when you start to look through the pages and pages of salaries in the Regina Police Service is that uh, police officers are extremely well compensated. Uh, the vast majority of uh, constables and up make uh, over $100,000 a year. Um, there are a few constables who are making in the, who's, like I'm, I'm assuming, are starting out because they're making between you know, fifty-nine and sixty-five thousand dollars a year, um, but the number of people who are making under a hundred thousand dollars who are line officers 
versus actual bed, actually making over a hundred thousand. It's like ten to one are making over a hundred thousand dollars as officers. Meanwhile, the civilian workers within the police force make considerably less on average than the police officers. And you know, people like uh, your missing persons liaison makes only seventy-seven thousand. Uh, your indigenous resource officers make sixty-nine and sixty-one thousand uh, dollars each of them. The cultural relations officer makes eighty-three, and the crime prevention strategist makes ninety. Now these are like generous salaries, but when you compare them to what their colleagues who are police officers make, and I understand there's danger pay, but mm-hmm. um, if we're going to have this discussion about uh, shifting funding. Uh, the fact that social workers and people who do uh, frontline uh, outreach of a non-policing nature, they tend to not get paid especially well. And these these would be like deluxe salaries compared to the social workers that I know who are making more in the thirty dollars to $40,000 a year range. Exactly. Um, and when I think of a job that has, uh, you know, a high danger quotient, and uh, where you see like the worst of humanity and have to live with that all day, social worker along with cop is one of those mm-hmm. jobs. And yet yes. they, don't, they don't get compensated for that the way that a police officer does. Well, I think, I mean, my, my guess here is that historically police forces have leveraged like the, the, the element of danger yep. uh, and, the, and the specter of, of disorder to to push for more and more money and there are always there's always at least one counselor who's going to get up and stump for them uh i mean there are counselors currently on city council who will who will reliably stand up and say yes we need to like shovel more money at the police uh and it just never ends and I think I think it's time I think this discussion is is well past you and I'm really glad that we've hit a stor- an historical moment when we can actually have it no. even yeah. even if it doesn't come to anything now it's it's time to push it more and, yeah. you know yeah and uh even if the end result is not a de- like a mass defunding of the Regina police service uh it's a discussion worth having especially now at a time when we have you know a a seemingly uh agreeable police chief exactly and i think there's a, there's actually one reform i would like to see right now uh instead of sirens um they should play yakety sax when they're apprehending a criminal oh of course i mean that's long yeah. past too yeah exactly i mean if we're not going to defund them we can at least play yakety sax i i 100 agree uh, but uh, we should probably move on to uh, some innovative revenue tools at this point. Absolutely. I will play those right now. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. And we are back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Do you have an Innovative Revenue Tool? Uh, I, I, I don't have one, uh, un- unless we want to license Yakety Sax and maybe get some of that sweet police budget money. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe we could like make our own tune and and like license our own tune, which will be suspiciously similar to Yakety Sax. Yeah, Zackety Zax. Zackety Sax. It'll it'll give them that Yakety Sax feeling. Mm-hmm. Just play it backwards, maybe. I'm not sure. We'll figure it out. We'll be rich. It'll all work out in the end. I was actually kind of hoping we could start making masks. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, we have enough printer paper. Hey, and do you know, if we, if we want people in Regina to wear masks, they should have the Rough Riders logo on them. Jesus, no kidding. I was going to suggest the Queen City Improvement Bureau logo, but your idea is better. Well, considering that for some reason the Saskatchewan Rough Riders aren't marketing masks with their logo. Oh, that's a good point. Be- so, because if they did that, I bet Reginans would be lining up to strap on some masks. But since they don't seem to be taking this opportunity, for whatever reason, we should. Yeah, we should put those out. Because people would like, they wouldn't just wear them on their faces. They would just like cover their entire bodies in <laughs> Rough Rider masks. Giant Rough Rider like COVID-19 prophylactics. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm up for that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that we're going to get on right away. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, so there's other news that uh, we should probably uh, make mention of. Bring it on. Uh, you may recall that uh, the city of Regina passed its, uh, it had a call for a sustainability framework as part of the uh, plan to be 100% renewable by 2050. And um, the, the result of this call for a sustainability framework was that the city administration said, you know what? let's not framework too fast here. Let's have a conference first because everybody loves the conference, free food, lots of talking, uh, speakers. It'll be a party. And mm-hmm. it was going to happen on May 20th. And May 20th has passed. No conference because conferences are a breeding ground for the COVID. So they, of had, course. they had postponed the conference until September in the hopes, fingers crossed, no COVID in the fall. But there's no guarantee that's going to be the case. So they have... Um, is there still a chance it will happen? But at present, on um, June 17th, so uh, this will actually be airing after the meeting happened, but worth knowing that administration is at present recommending no conference. Let's not do it. Let's just do this sustainability framework and put it out in 2021. Uh, how about that? Nice. Yeah, so... That's- we are, I don't know, it's, it's almost like we're back to the base state. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is exactly what administration asked for was, or sorry, not administration. This is exactly what council called for in the beginning was no conference. Let's, uh, let's have a framework and let's get administration to do it. And now that this conference has been canceled, we're going to get exactly what council asked for in the first place. However, it'll be coming a year later because we went through all the co- the conference nonsense. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, the the irony, I guess it's an irony, is uh, the Patrick Moore night is still going to happen. <laughs> oh, God. It really? Yeah, that, that is still on. Oh. So. The city of Regina invited a climate science denier to be the keynote speaker to their sustainability uh, conference. Uh, A guy named Dr. Patrick Moore, 
after like mass public outrage and after Patrick Moore indicated that, oh yeah, I'm totally coming to your town to talk about how climate change is not a thing to, to deal with, uh, the, com- the uh, committee that was in charge of the conference said, yeah, maybe we'll uh, rethink that and canceled his speech. Uh, they had to, uh, he got to keep the deposit that the city of Regina paid him. But uh, yeah, so he canceled his speech. But then Rebel Media hopefully mm-hmm. steps in and books a night at uh, the Art Center. Uh, it is Rebel News hosts an evening with Dr. Patrick Moore. Uh, the original plan was, it for, was for it to happen the night before Reimagine Regina, the sustainability conference, started. Uh, so it was going to be the 19th. And thank the traditional and very real Lord. Yes. And it has been postponed to September 16th, uh, Wednesday, September 16th. Uh, It is at present not canceled. So you can still buy tickets to see uh, climate science denier, Dr. Patrick Moore speak at the art center for tickets are going for 2767 to $2,128.90. Well, I know which uh, which price range I'm going for. Yeah, yeah. You want to have like the the dinner with Patrick? Yeah, I want I want the VIP experience. I actually I want to actually I want to pay more so I can get Ezra Ezra Levant and maybe like Rex Murphy to show up as well. Ooh. Then we can put them in a small box and like I don't know squeeze it and collect their demonic eye core. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Um. It, you know, you, the thing is, like, you, you kind of have to, like, feel bad. Like, Rebel Media is probably hurting really badly right now. Although, I'm just I'm just checking this out. It looks like the Rebel News cruise is still a go for July 2020. So. Awesome. Well, I'll be on it for my birthday. Yep. So, uh, Rebel News. Uh they're bringing us Patrick Moore, and they're going to be getting a whole bunch of their supporters on a cruise ship during the COVID crisis. You know, I can see an upside so, to this. <laughs> put them all in a boat or in the art center, just as long as they're not around me. That's right. Put them in a enclosed, isolated space for a while. Just yeah. see, see, see what shakes out. Yeah. So. And, well, in all seriousness, I do not wish... I do not wish what are we are clearly wishing on them there. Uh, but man, I just, if you're going to be that dumb to get on a cruise ship, all right. Well, Godspeed. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, even at the best of times, cruise ships are just disease factories. Like, you're oh, yes. Food co- uh, poisoning are through the roof on a cruise ship. A dysentery, like. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. We, should, we should have like a we should have like somebody in our meeting to talk about what life is like on a cruise ship. Yeah. I wonder if we know anybody. Yeah, know we do. On a cruise ship. We do. We do. We do know a couple of people. We, uh, you have neighbors as a matter of fact. Oh yes. Okay. Well, yes, maybe we'll get them on. Maybe they can tell us about the precautions you take on a cruise ship. So you don't die of the plague. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I guess, like, just to wrap all of this up, the uh, the city is going to be doing their framework, their sustainability framework. Uh, but it is it is definitely based on the guidelines that they're listing of what they're going to be working from when they're putting this framework together. It is a much less ambitious project 
that they're going to be uh, putting together than I think what most of the city is hoping for and what the councilors who originally put forward the, uh, the motion, excuse me, were hoping for. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, we've talked about these in many, many meetings that uh, the, for whatever reason, whatever, whatever like motivated the city administration to go with a, uh, a more uh, narrow definition of what a city's, a, a sustainable city is, uh, that is definitely the route they're going to be going. They're going to be looking at city operations. They're going to be looking at uh, the fact that we don't have the ability to generate our own power. Um, so, and you know, that, that timeline from now till 2050, uh, if everybody is working on a, let's get to uh, zero emissions by 2050, uh, the earth is going to be a, a burning husk. There is uh, <laughs> It, that's too late. That's much, much too late for uh, cities to be taking uh, action on this. So disappointing that the uh, report is going to be so narrow, but hopefully there will be some people who can come out and uh, push for for something more ambitious and something more um, productive. I, I understand that. Yeah. So anyways, those are the big things. Um, They're reasonably big. Yeah, no, pretty big. Uh, yeah. Uh, the city, uh, the city. Oh, I should just note that the city did put out, like as I said uh, before the break, uh, the city put out its public accounts. Um, the public accounts—they're sort of like a look back at how we did in 2019, how we actually spent our money. Um, right now, the city is in same kind of a crisis financially. Uh, we don't know yet how impacted we will be by the COVID crisis. Um, right. The city has. Uh, the city has like, you know, there's a grace period for property tax payment. Uh, there's a very good chance that there's going to be a lot of property taxes that are just not going to get paid this year. And that will very, very, very uh, much restrict what the city of Regina can do because it's just not going to have revenue. And uh, so next year's public accounts report is probably going to be a gong show. Yes. Uh, I, I hope they have enough budget for our, for our jobs. Oh yeah, I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, we we work for cheap, and we extremely things, right? Mm -hmm. So they want that. And you know what? You know what I always say is that you can't put a price tag on improvement. No, no, you really. Which is probably why almost all of our reports and recommendations come back with like a little note saying we need like actual dollar figures behind this. Right. Oh, are you saying that they want us to put price tags on things? Yeah, like we should get one of those little sticker guns and put price tags on it. I like that. Yeah, I mean, and dot matrix paper is really cheap. So, I mean, what, 49 cents for a ream? I don't even know. Is it even that much? It, is it? Well, I mean, let's mark it up a little bit. Uh, you know, it'll uh, inflate the price, you know, make our reports look good. Sure. Okay. We'll do that. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, maybe they'll reimburse us for the paper. Oh, that would be nice of them. Yeah, mm -hmm. if we ask. All right. Uh, oh, I should mention, we're on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. We're the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Uh, I mean, I couldn't... There are a lot of things in that statement I agree with. On balance, I'm not sure I agree completely, but we'll go with it. Okay. Um, so the next thing on the agenda, I wanted to talk about a new project that I've been working on. Oh, let's hear it. It's called... Bike Rack Reviews Regina. 
Ooh, I love bike racks. And it's this is the hashtag, because I'm doing it on Twitter mainly, it's hashtag bike rack reviews YQR. Ooh, okay. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to talk about bike racks for a bit. Um, I've done, I don't know, on the order of like 10 different bike rack reviews. And uh, bike racks are a thing that uh, their, their design needs to be discussed because as you bike around the city and review the bike racks, you realize many people don't know what they're doing when they're designing a bike rack. Well, I would, I would argue that many people don't know what they're doing when they're using a bike rack because bike rack designers are, I mean, these people are geniuses. They are unassailable. If we don't, if we don't use the rack properly, that's on us. So you're saying that there's like some bike rack secrets that we just need to know? I think, I think that's it. I think if we weren't just like a bunch of like just drooling idiots, we'd be able to use those bike racks properly. I think the problem is that the people who go to bike rack um, uh, university, uh-huh. uh, like their their intellect, their sense of design is almost godlike, and it's often lost on us mortals when we have to actually confront these sublime designs that are Regina's bike racks. Um, I didn't realize that to use a bike rack that I really needed a degree first to be able to, you know, properly use a bike rack. That seems like an awful lot of work for something that I just want to lock my bike to. You don't need a degree to use the bike rack. You just need to open your mind. Mm, to the bike and, rack and possibilities. Exactly. And, and not be, and not be like a normie, like, like a just, like a stunted normie. Okay. Just don't do it. What, uh, what letters do you get after your name if you have a degree in bike racks? Um, um, uh, B, uh, B, R, D, B, R, D, like D, or D, uh, uh, D, B, D, D, B, R, D, doctor of bike rack uh, design. Oh, ology. well, uh, do you have, so are you, are you saying then that all bike racks are equal in your mind or do you, can you distinguish between a good back bike rack and bad? Well, I mean, Categorically, there is no such thing as a bad bike rack. Okay. So yeah, they're all they're all. I mean, like I don't I don't even use them uh, because I fully acknowledge that uh, say the bike rack um, like at the plaza downtown. Right. Uh, I I looked at that and I realized that my standard human intellect was no match for the from what I initially thought was a completely ridiculous design for bike racks that ended up making it difficult for people to use them. I just realized I didn't, I just wasn't smart enough. Now, hang on, which bike racks are you talking about? Uh, the ones uh, just across from the, um, from the uh, Hammer W Hill Mall. Okay. Just on the south end of... Uh, of the, one, the ones up on the platform? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Elevated like above ground level as if to say, as if to signify their elevation from normal human affairs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the, the goal there is to make you feel good about being above others as you lock up your bike. Yes. You're, you're a good six to eight inches higher than, um, you know, the, the cars that are parking on the street when you lock right. it. Your- Which is why when I get up on that little platform, 
I'm compelled often to like throw like pieces of rotten fruit and rocks and excrement at uh, passersby. Yeah. I mean, See, what I, are they going to come get me? No, I'm up on this platform. See, I just want to throw uh, excrement and rocks and pieces of fruit at that bike rack. Oh, yeah. Well, you sir are an enemy of the bike rack. Well, no, just that specific bike rack. Um, <sighs> I think putting it up on the platform's bad idea. Uh, makes it hard to get to those slotted bike racks. Those stand-up slotted bike racks that you can only get your front tire through are absurd because if you just lock your tire to a bike rack, your the rest of your bike gets stolen and the tire gets left behind. So for me, it's a uh, it's a one out of five bike rack, frankly. Well, for for you, it's one out of five, but for me, it's a ten out of five. 10 out of 5. 10 out of 5. Wow. Okay. That, um, that's, that's commitment to that bike, to just to bike rackery in general. In general. And that one in particular, 10 out of 5. I am, um, Jesus. Um, what then would you say, okay, so on the west side of the plaza, there mm-hmm. are, there's bike racks, and uh, they're, they're basically like triangle loops of metal. So right. they're like thick loops, they're right on the ground, um, and uh, they're well spaced apart. And uh, what would you say of those? That is a bike rack for the people. So the great, the great spirit of democracy is embodied in those bike racks. Okay. And now, is that a good thing or a bad thing from where you're sitting? Well, normally, uh, I think democracy is a, is a dangerous mistake. Uh, you know my feelings on this, but in this case, uh, I look at that sort of like people-inspired uh, bike rack, and I think of like you know the great sort of like murals of um, you know that guy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, I am I am moved to like like not even patriotic tears, but kind of like tears for like all of humankind. Wow. Well, that's that's a. That seems like a big endorsement of these bike racks. Because I would agree. I, I think that uh, these are the most democratic of bike racks. Uh, they're a five out of five bike rack for me. Um, uh, one of the recurring themes on Bike Rack Reviews YQR is uh, loops of metal are the best bike rack. I agree. Simple, effective, democratic. Exactly. So Twelve I, out of five. Twelve out of five. Okay. Well, I gave it a five out of five. That's I, pretty good. I didn't know you could go above five. You, you can. Okay. When you're dealing with bike racks, you, you, you're kind of, you're compelled to. Interesting. That's, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. Hey, I've got some bike rack trivia. Oh, hit me. The, uh, okay, so it's about both the bike racks we've just talked about, in fact. Uh, the bike rack that's up on the platform, that platform is a kiosk. So you know how there was a kiosk just built on the plaza by the downtown bid? There were supposed mm-hmm. to be two kiosks on the plaza, the one that's just been built and the other one, which is where that platform is. <clears throat> so underneath that wooden platform, there is a foundation for a second plaza kiosk. And I believe that there is plumbing for it, like there's roughed in plumbing and electrical so that you could put up like an ice cream stand or some kind of like food service at that site. But because hmm. the city ran out of money before they, uh, and face. They ran out of face before they finished <laughs> building the plaza. 
Uh, they didn't do the two kiosks and the kiosks have now been left to the downtown BID to solve. Um, that platform is just there as a placeholder until you know the day in the distant future when we finally get our kiosk on that site. So that is why you, they had to do something with that space. So they put the bike racks on it and that's why you have to haul your bike up that lip. To get so they, call, they called in the big guns, in other words, the yes. bike rack designers. Okay. Exactly. exactly. So, you know, to make the most of a bad situation and an embarrassing situation. <laughs> um, the other bike racks on the west side of the plaza, the ones, the triangular ones we were talking about, uh, those had actually been installed with the plaza. And then shortly after the plaza was installed, um, the downtown BID had been using the old Novia. Uh, the, is it, what is it, the Gordon Block? Uh, mm-hmm. that the Novia uh, Cafe used to be in. They were using that uh, as their storage facility for all their summer stuff and all the things that they bring out onto the plaza. Um, that building, which incidentally is in, within a heritage a preservation zone. So that building is technically, it, it receives all the protections of a heritage building. So it needs to be maintained in period trim, but the owners at uh, Harvard, uh, they have not, and the building is caving in. And so it was no longer safe for the downtown bid to use that building. So they needed uh, somewhere else to store their stuff. So the, um, the city said, well, you can have like a, a storage, uh, what do you call it? Trailer. And they put that on the plaza and uh, they just put it where those bike racks were. So they ground off the, the, the bike racks they'd basically just installed so they could put up this uh, trailer for a few years. And now the trailer is gone. They had to weld those bike racks back onto the stumps that they had left behind. So if you take a close look, you can see like the little weld marks where uh, they restored the bike racks that they had uh, removed. Back then. That is some good bike rack trivia. Not a lot of people know that about the bike racks downtown. So anyways, um, yeah, that's uh, Bike Rack Reviews YQR. Uh, been doing, I don't know, a couple of weeks. And uh, um, hopefully, we'll, hopefully we'll encourage uh, deeper thought about bike racks in, the, in Regina. Have you been? Uh, have you reviewed the uh, the ones on Thirteenth in the cathedral area? The the ones that are sort of like they're sculptures, but also bike racks. Yes, the ones where you're not sure if you should put your lock your bike on them because maybe you're uh, defacing public art accidentally. Ex- yes, I did. Um, personally, like I like them as art, uh, but I thought they were only like three out of five bike racks because they're actually difficult to lock to. And then there's that whole thing where people don't know their bike racks. So they're great for me because I always have a bike rack to lock up to on 13. But everybody else is going, where the hell do I lock up? Because they don't, because there's no sign saying what they are. So they, they kind of hurts their usability. And, and there's always the risk that a public art lover might vandalize your bike thinking that you're desecrating a work of art. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Huh. And there's a lot of those in Regina. So many. Um, yeah, and there's only three of those. Like, uh, 13th could stand to have more bike racks, actually. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, I think so far, the worst bike racks I've seen are like uh, at Le Macaron, uh, out on the East End. They have a bike rack that's very low to the ground, 
And so it makes it difficult to lock more than just retire to it. And they've put it in a car parking spot, which I think the idea there was that they're giving up a parking spot for bike parking, but cars just park in front of it. So you can't actually get your bike onto the bike rack. Right. So that was a one out of five bike rack. And Definitely an eight out of five for me. Yeah. That's as low. That's pretty low for me. Yeah. Although, you know, it'd be great if you could like lock your car to that bike rack since people are parking their cars. Everywhere. That <laughs> good, you know, that extra security would be uh, useful. That, that would stymie the thieves. It really would. Yeah. Although they didn't actually bolt the bike rack down. So they could just like, oh. you know, drive your car off and trail the bike rack behind it. Yeah. A determined car thief is hard to stymie. It's true. It's true. But anyways, that's it. That's uh, that's Bike Rack Reviews YQR, and uh, I'm going to keep doing that. And if anybody has a bike rack they think needs to be reviewed that I haven't done yet, uh, you can, like, DM me at, at Paul Deshane. And you can also send your bike racks to us at the Queen City Improvement Bureau, and we will try them out and review them. We'd love to do that. That's a really yeah. good idea. Yeah. Just pop it in the mail. Yep. Yep. We may even, like, paint it while we have it. Hey, good idea. Yeah, because not enough bike racks are painted nice colors. You know, that is absolutely true. A lot of them are, the, the one thing they fall down on is being properly uh, decorated. Yeah, it's tragedy. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we're running out of time. The the bike racks, I was going to say. <laughs> time locks are about to open up, so we can like leave here for a bit. Oh, wow. I look forward to a little bit of fresh air. Yeah. Uh, so, should I move to adjourn? I think that would be a good idea. Then I do. I move to adjourn. Then I will second that motion. Motion is passed. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. We are broadcast live from 7 to 8 p.m. on Thursday night. We broadcast Monday mornings, 9 to 10 a.m. You can find us on Twitter, Queen City IB. Also, of course, queencityib.com and cjtr.ca slash podcasts. And obviously on the radio, what what do you think you're listening to us on right now? Come on. Coming up next is probably uh, the Nerdcore Cabaret with Matty V, followed by the cockpit, then music all on through the night. That's all. Keep on improving, Regina. <laughs>